Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of Forrester CX Cast. This is Sam Stern. In the studio with me is Faith Adams. Hi, Faith. Hello. How's everybody today? Very good. I will answer for everybody today and hope I'm right. So, Faith, we wanted to have you in because there's a really interesting new report uh, that you've written about uh, how important, how valuable clear communication is. And I think that's intuitive. But what was not intuitive in your report, and I don't want to give it all away here at the beginning, but is how important it is. Just the fact, you know, I think anyone would agree it is important, but would have been surprised by the finding in your report that we'd like to talk to you about, about how important it is. So I'd love maybe before we get to that, we'll hold readers back and listeners back for just a second. What was your intent for focusing on clear communication? Why did you want to look here? You know, sort of what piqued your interest? Um, I think it's just something that we all kind of take for granted in our day-to-day lives, um, especially when you're within four walls and you've been there for a while. Certain industries are just bigger culprits. And at the end of the day, as most organizations are evolving to be more customer-centric, it truly requires taking that step back and putting yourself in the customer's shoes, which means speaking to them like a human being and how they want to be spoken to. And so having been a practitioner and have known that this has been a challenge um, in a couple of different industries, <laughs> I just thought it was incredibly important. Even though it seems like common sense, it's something that organizations struggle with all the time. Yeah, and I think it's a fascinating aspect to this, right, that everyone, I think, knows it's important and it feels like common sense, and yet so many organizations, so many people are guilty of not communicating clearly. What would you say provided the most sort of wow factor as you were conducting the research? I think it was when I partnered with the CX Index team to kind Mm -hmm. of do a deeper dive into the drivers of experience. And we knew it was going to be a driver. We just did not know how much. It was shocking, actually, Mm. that it could be up to 19 CX Index points. So Um, give us some perspective on that because the Customer Experience Index is our survey that measures customers' perceptions of of their experience, right, asking them a few questions. But 19 points, you know, depends on the scale, right? Some some areas that could be, you know, I guess if it's Celsius, that's a huge swing in temperature. Fahrenheit, it's a moderate swing in temperature is is one example. So how should listeners think about 19 points in the CX Index? um, Think about it, say, on like a, a typical satisfaction scale or like a percentage. So say hypothetically 100, that's 19 points added to 100. It's significant. Um, So, for example, health insurance, um, the biggest culprit on the list, 19 points. And the way that we essentially had modeled it was not even just moving all of the customers who gave it a 4 or 5 rating to a 6 or 7. It was a smaller percentage or a subset. So there's a table in the report that kind of shows like the total number of customers and realistically the number of customers we thought we could move Mm -hmm. from that 4 or 5 to a 6 or a 7. And so it's not even moving everybody. So it's kind of conservative in in a way as well. So that's really interesting because the idea is that it's not that everybody moves up, you know, from a 4 to a 5 and you sort of get a decent little improvement across the board, but rather you'll, you'll probably see major jumps among a subset of your customers. But for them, it's a complete change in the perception of the experience from it's not good or it's okay to it's good or it's excellent. Is that fair to say? Absolutely. Like one of the key things that we had found was that the reason that clear communication is so important is because it's synonymous with trust. Mm. So a lot of times uh, customers will think that companies might be trying to bait and switch them or pull the wool over their eyes when they don't communicate clearly. And I think some of the verbatims that were actually in the report as well that we pulled from the qualitative data mm-hmm. was, um, they, they were pretty funny because it's, it's stuff that I think 
within the four walls of an organization, they don't take seriously. But when you give it that specific context and you talk about how confusing things can be, it really should open up an organization's eyes. For example, I think a lot of investment companies purposely make things complicated in order to sell you things that you don't need. <laughs> like seeing these types of comments should take a company, take a step back and say, hmm, are we really doing our best to speak in the customer's terms? And where are those pain points that lead to confusion? And how can we remedy this, whether it's, you know, including like a glossary or using more specific examples and then have disclaimers on the bottom? There's just so many different ways that companies can take that step back, put themselves in the customer's shoes, and really like let the data be the guide um, as to where to make improvements first. You just referenced um, investment company example or in terms of the verbatim, but before that you had mentioned that health insurance companies were guilty of this and had a huge opportunity for risk. And so I'm wondering, is there something, it seemed like in the report too, there were a lot of health insurer examples, which is good, right, yeah. doing it well. But to me, it seems like an industry that is guilty of using a lot of jargon. Is that a fair assessment? And if so, why are they why are they such offenders of this? Um, I, I think a lot of it is just habit and mm-hmm. regulation. So for years, it was just the norm. I think that when the healthcare marketplace kind of started to shift this as well, a lot of people who didn't understand healthcare are now users of healthcare. Mm-hmm. And so it requires a lot more education and understanding. Even those people who work for a lot of the health insurance companies, having worked for one in the past, and having worked in the healthcare industry and and worked with insurance companies, even like billing and coding people. It's an issue. You need to take that step back um, and and just in order to provide the optimal service level, it's just a must-have. Yeah, you raised two really interesting points there. One, the idea that, you know, in health insurance probably being the best example of this, when the new healthcare law passed in the States, suddenly there were, you know, millions of customers available to them. Great, but actually a lot of these people haven't really been in the health insurance market before. So, of all your likely customers, they're probably the least knowledgeable about what the terms mean or what the different coverage or co-payments are. And that's probably giving too much credit, by the way, to people who've had health insurance for a long time through their job because they didn't have to think about it that much. You know, when you have new customers, they're probably the least knowledgeable about your terms, your products and services. But then I, I like the point, too, you made about employees where a lot of these companies are guilty of assuming that customers know what everything that they're saying means. I think they're guilty of assuming that employees are familiar with all their terms. There's one financial services company I talked to one time where they said, you know, we found that actually most of our employees felt this sense of dread about how little financial knowledge they had because when they mentioned they worked for a bank, in their personal lives, people wanted to ask them financial questions and people wanted to sort of like kick the tires on what they were invested in and they didn't have the confidence to be well invested. They didn't have the confidence that they had their financial life in order. They didn't have the confidence to answer those questions. So I, I think it's a great point about the idea that your employees who are supposed to be, you know, maybe doing some context or translation around some of your terminology, if they don't really understand it well enough, then there's no way that they can contextualize it for customers, even if they have the opportunity to do so. I keep going back to health insurance, maybe because it just rings so clear to me. <laughs> but the, um, the whole idea of an EOB, customers yeah. asking questions about, well, what is the point of this? It says this is not a bill, but it reads like a bill and I don't understand it. Right. Um, just things like that, too. It's And the employees in the customer service space have a difficult time explaining it because it's just not customer friendly. Yeah. Um, and those organizations that do make the investments and take that step back and work within the constraints of the industry, I think are those that have a leg up on others. And it's a huge opportunity to differentiate. Now, obviously, in the health insurance space, there are some people, you know, our insurance is through our employers. You're not necessarily a captive audience in many ways, but I think that that's the perception that some people have is that 
um, oh, well, they're not going to switch. But I think when given the choice, if people have a bad enough experience and we don't know where the industry is going to trend yeah. um, in the future, organizations, not just health insurers, need to open up their eyes. That's a good point. So in the report, you've got you and your uh, colleagues from the data team, I assume, um, helped helped with this. And not to take anything away from you, but there's some pretty uh, complicated math here, it looks like, with the estimates for incremental revenue per company in these different industries by taking this on, right? Having clear communication that builds trust. There's an incredible range in terms of the estimates here. You know, $23 million for credit card providers up to billions for automakers. So can you help us and help me for sure, because I don't quite get it, and help the listeners understand why such a big range of potential incremental revenue based on this? So the way that we looked at it, and I would like to give a shout out to the data team for being so amazing and the CX Index team, because uh, I would have struggled and probably had given up on this whole (laughs) aspect of the report if I did not have some support. But the way it worked was they essentially would take the largest brands in each category and come up with a number based on percentages that way. So for example, mass market automotive, obviously there's a lot more potential there than when you would look at like a direct brokerage or a full service investment firm. The average number of customers is just very different. I see. So it was based largely on that. Okay. So this is sort of looking at the potential number of customers involved and the amount of potential revenue available per customer based on them switching, right? Yeah, exactly. And that's why we had to break it up into these three different sections where the brokerage and investments had to be separated out into their own category. And then the same with health insurance, because the way that it had to be modeled due to the nature of their businesses was quite different. Okay, great. So you alluded to this a little bit before, but I want to come back to this. What should companies do to improve their customer communications? And you alluded before to you know, glossaries and explanations of terms and simple language. But can you tease that out a little bit for us? Um, I think one of the, the most important things that organizations can do is encourage clear communication within their four walls. Take a step back from the industry that you're in. Stop speaking like an insurance company. Mm-hmm. Stop speaking like a bank or an investment company. And just really put yourselves in the customer's shoes. Um, that's step one. I think having resources or guides available to enc- encourage it would be incredibly helpful. Mm-hmm. Some organizations go as far as having like an advisory board that acts as um, a peer group who isn't necessarily the communications police, but will help parts of the organization ensure that their communications are clear. I think actually leveraging your voice of the customer program is huge. Hmm. Looking for those points where you have those verbatims that flat out say, um, this is confusing, I don't understand it, or I need help understanding. Homing in on those aspects of your feedback I'm using user research. Um, I think it was Anthem that I had interviewed. And I really liked what they did because they use customer research, Mm -hmm. design thinking, um, and and that outside-in mentality to really identify terms that were a problem. Um, And so it really allowed them to focus on what was important in terms of making the improvements. So taking that step back, I think, is where it starts and not perpetuating the problem just by getting things out there. A communications audit would be a great start and then marrying it to more of the data and the research. And don't be afraid to even work with your internal partners. I joke that my husband is often the sounding board for a lot of my stuff where I would show him my work and be like, is this clear to you as somebody who works in a completely different industry? Yeah, yeah. And just even being able to do that sometimes or working with different parts of your organization that might not be as close to something and asking them because somebody who works in claims might understand something for claims, but they might not understand something that's, you know, maybe more like, say, again, going back to health insurance, preventive schedule related. You intrigued me with the reference that 
anthem example? What was a word or phrase that they found actually they didn't need to change that they thought they might have had to change? I think one of them was the whole thing about coinsurance and provider and doctor was one that they actually had referenced. In, in provider, I recall some of the context you would see is, it, wait, by provider, do you mean my insurance company or do you mean the person who provides me care? Right. So, so really just being able to marry that information with research to find out where to focus. Great. Well, Faith, thank you for joining us on CXCast again. We appreciate it. And listeners, you can find a link to the report in the show notes. It's called Read My Lips. Clear communication can mean billions in revenue. That's billions with a B. And uh, lots of great data and examples in here and some some fun quotes from customers too, which um, I think give a sense for what they're feeling when they don't understand something in your communication. And the data are compelling, but so are those very visceral, very real comments from your customers. So Faith, thank you. And listeners, thank you. We'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of CXCast. And remember, your customer's perception is your customer experience reality. 